Welcome to the Radical Bureaucrat, a podcast for people who want to change institutions from the inside. Today's Thursday, April 16th, and we're here in New York City. We keep hearing about the extent to which our hospitals and medical staff are overwhelmed with new cases. Um, I've mentioned a couple times that my wife, Lisa, who's everything to me, is a nurse. She's also a designer, and it's complicated. She basically helps train and develop materials for training for home health aides at a very, very large organization. We share stories every day about what's happening. We help each other to process and make sense of it all. Uh, and we who have colleagues on the front lines of this crisis know what is happening right now. We know what's up with PPE. We know what's happening in hospitals. We know not only... Uh, hospitals and nursing homes are being hit hard, but that many people have been turned away, have been afraid to go to nursing home. Uh, I'm sorry, have been afraid to go to the hospital at all, uh, and that many uh, frontline healthcare providers, like home health aides or nursing assistants or doulas, many healthcare providers and and caring professionals in our communities uh, are the people that we rely on, uh, and really the people who are elders, our new mothers. Uh, our, our growing families depend on. Uh, and one of the stories uh, of the virus uh, that's received a little bit of attention uh, is about what birth and delivery looks like during this pandemic. That's right. And I know for a fact that pregnant parents are experiencing an extra level of stress right now. I know that because my wife is a birth worker and business owner in the field of birth support. And guess what, listeners? We're having her on the show today. Oh, I wish I had the ba, ba, ba. That would be the right sound effect. So Naima Beckles is here. She is my partner, my best friend, the mother to our children, and just a tremendously wise and kind person. Professionally, she's the owner of Four Year Birth, a company that provides doula services during and after birth, breastfeeding support, childbirth education courses, and on-call consultations. And an explanatory comma for those that don't know what a doula is, doulas provide all kinds of support for the mother prior to, during, and after labor and delivery. Uh, a common way of explaining it is that doctors or midwives take care of the mother from the waist down, but, they pro but doulas provide the support from the waist up. Yeah. Naima often says, I am a great cheerleader for her, and I do so with pride. So check out their website at foryourbirth.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at foryourbirth. I'm so grateful for every interaction that I get to have with Naima. Yeah, the way that her and Sam have welcomed our family into their lives. Uh, you know, when we were first thinking about uh, this idea of having a family, of trying to get pregnant, um, you know, which is a first world problem, right? Like we, we have this whole construct around us that allows us to be very specific about when we want mm -hmm. that to happen. Man, Sam and I were just recording these pods, just experimenting with like how, how we sounded on a microphone, which is horrifying. Uh, mm -hmm. And then Naima extended this abundant wisdom and guidance about this whole birthing process. Uh, and then as Lisa and I went through the process, mainly Lisa went through the process and I observed and tried to be helpful. Uh, that anxiety that I think is just natural that everybody goes through, it really helped those moments where, where Lisa said, oh, yeah, I talked to Naima about this. Oh, yeah. You know, I talked to the doula the other day she was here. Oh, yeah. That's, a, we're, that's okay. We can worry about the next thing on the list of 100 things that we're worried about every day, right? That's what I mean by the caring profession, right, is, is this idea of, like, let's take care of people, right, the whole people, 
So I'm so grateful, Naima, for your impact in our life. And after all of that, all of that intro, how are you doing? How are you doing today, Naima? <laughs> Thank you for the warmest of intros to you both. And today I'm doing, I'm doing really well. I feel really good today. I'm really happy to be here talking to you both. So thank you again for having me. Well, um, I already know how you're doing because we spent the whole day together and every day, all day. Um, so, but it, we still have to ask each other how we're doing. That's right. I thought exactly that. Yep, that's right. Still have to check in though. Yeah. Okay. So now you might, a lot of people may think that your business can go on as usual, right? Because birth doesn't stop. Everyone's giving birth all the time. Um, and so they think, all right, so childbirth services that, that must be a field like grocery stores where you guys are doing fine you're, you're just moving ahead right but you've told me that that's not really the case so can you lay out what's a challenge that you're experiencing right now in terms of how your work is going in, in this field of birth support one challenge that we always face is educating the public around what a doula is and what a doula does many people uh, outside of this big health crisis, don't always understand that we're there to give informational, physical, and emotional support to parents as they are preparing to give birth, during the time that they give birth, and after they give birth. So I find my work is always informing the public, always letting people know that this is an option, and also helping people uh, access it. During a pandemic, uh, if doula care felt like an accessory before, it definitely does not feel essential right now, or people are having a difficult time um, parsing out what's essential and what's not. Um, people also, I think, spend a lot of time thinking about the actual day that they go into labor and imagining doula support being really beneficial to them on that day, whereas I have found and learned in my own doula practice that doula support, the best kind of doula support prepares you for birth and supports you after. Um, so it's always super, it's always really great when my clients don't need me as much as they thought that they did on the day that they're mm -hmm. giving birth because we prepared for so many hours through classes, through consultations leading up to that birth. So for example, I have a client um, currently, she gave birth on Saturday. Uh, she was planning to birth here in the city. Uh, a couple of weeks before her due date, she was away um, visiting her family and she called me minutes before getting on the train to come back to the city to say, Naima, should I come back to the city? Because I'm hearing that I can't have you or anyone with me in the hospital at the time that I give birth. So this was during that window of time where a few of the hospitals said, no one can come in. Mm -hmm. And I told her, no, absolutely not. Do not come back to the city. Stay where you are. You're with family. You can figure it out there, and I'll give you virtual support. And she did. She gave birth on Saturday. And she told me, actually, she called me when she went into labor. We just text a few times over the course of the day, uh, very casually. It was all great. Two hours after she gave birth, she called me to say, hey, my baby was born, and I'm so sorry that I didn't call you, but it turned out that I didn't need you. And I said, well, that's because you did all the work. So my job was 
my was fulfilled. I did what I was I needed to do, and I counted the hours with her. I said, "You spent about twelve hours between classes and consultations and in-person meetings and a video conference, uh, figuring this out. So you were brilliant in birth. You were ready. You were prepared." That's awesome. Awesome for me too, because uh, on Saturday night I was like, I'm on call tonight. And then a few hours later, she's like, the baby was born. I'm like, yes, we're going to sleep through the night. <laughs> um, but, it, <laughs> um, but it's, it's really powerful what you say about the, the work of educating the public um, and, and the work that uh, parents have to do in preparation for birth. Mm-hmm. But tell us more about what's, What's particularly challenging about doing your work now during this pandemic? The challenge now is that we're not seeing people come for the support. So I'm not seeing the same number of inquiries. I I hardly see any inquiries at all in my inbox. So people are not looking for support. And when they are looking for support, if they've been existing clients, they just want to talk about like what... Well, they want to set up contingency plans. So what do I do if this happens? What if I do, what do I do if my my partner has a fever on the day that we go to labor? What do we do? So it's like all crisis mode that we're in. It's all triaging that I'm doing right now with the existing clients. And then potential clients aren't able to have the bandwidth to think about more support yeah. or feel like they might be stretched financially I'm projecting here, I don't know for sure. Or they may be told by their medical care providers who are a great line of referrals for me that you don't need a doula, I'm here, we'll take care of it. Like your doula can't be here with you anyway because I don't think that care providers in the in the medical field right now have the capacity to think about a full range of support that we're able to deliver. They're just thinking about the moment that they're in the hospital. Right, and that is so much of how we treat birth in this country, right? Is that it's, birth is happening. If, if you watch any TV show or movie, and, and Naima and I often laugh about this, it's like birth starts when your water breaks, and then it ends with some screaming and a baby coming out, right? And there's there's not uh, the pre and the and the post and, and an appreciation of how important all of that is, especially, um, in, in our Western context. Yeah, it's so uh, profound and so true what you're saying. Like, And this is what I was trying to say with my long-winded introduction was that like, in those moments where we're like imagining the day of crisis that we've been told about, we're sort of looking to reference, okay, who are people who we kind of like feel like understand what we're looking at here and like, what do they think? And then to hear like, well, listen, Here's a critical view on the hospital industrial complex, right? Here's a video to watch, you know, everybody watches the uh, Ricky Lake video, right? Um, And then like, oh, you know, we're all in a panic. But what you're saying is so profound. It's so like lizard brain, right? We, because right now we're scared about this bigger thing, this crisis, and like the hospital is involved in our vision of that emergency of childbirth, and we all attached it as all our baggage about hospitals, all our baggage about healthcare, right? Which, right, is a whole multiverse of stuff, right? And we're just, we're scared and we're just panicked. And to hear people say like, no, listen, I've seen birth. I've seen it happen, you know, many times. 
and I've seen it go wrong, I've seen it go right, I've seen the what the distribution looks like, and I can tell you from that view of the whole field, it's going to be okay. And really, it's preparation. And really, mm-hmm. here's a class you can take. I took Daddy Boot Camp. That was a that was a referral we got through Naima. Daddy Boot Camp. I went to the Upper West Side, and I I talked to this brother who was amazing, who was a physical therapist, and like understood baby anatomy and physiology is like the best class I've been to since grad school. It was so good. And that accessing that network of care. Wow. Like I like that's what's up. And that's what people in a crisis need is to access their network of care. Hey, guys, don't forget there's a network of care. There are people, there are ancestors, there are aunties, there are people who are a network of care, who know things, right? Don't be afraid to ask. That's a lot of it. That was a lot of what the doula experience taught us, right? It's really hard to ask. It is really hard to ask for help. Yeah. I really like what you said, Abram, that the having a doula as part of your um, preparation for birth and after really helped you ask for support because there's so much practice that people actually get in asking for support throughout the relationship with their doula. And it's what you need through through parenting you need to continuously be asking for support yeah so i kind of alluded to it a little bit there um and i hear you on the on the like the triaging part of the job but i'm really interested in that educating and informing piece of it um and i really wanted um to to ask because you are so situated that you understand how we got to where we are in this place on this island and waters, right, in New York, in New York City, how do we get here where babies are delivered the way they're delivered in hospitals? So we are here, and I think what you're asking is, like, how is it that uh, we're thinking about what to do with people birthing in hospital? Because people, if you look, just just stretch back three, four hundred years, people haven't always birthed in hospitals, but we don't always think about that. We assume that the hospital is the place to give birth because there was a huge campaign in this country and it carried on to other places in the world to move birth from the home to the hospital. So it's only been about a hundred years that birth has been in the hospital um, and attended by physicians. Um, It used to be, and it still is, but not at all um, in wide numbers. It used to be that midwives delivered babies. And midwives came to your home. They provided your prenatal care there. They were called and um, were there to catch babies. And midwives are very careful to say that they don't deliver babies because it's the person who's birthing a baby is the the person who delivers the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of bump up against the patriarchy when we we use the language of delivering the Mm -hmm. baby. It's the birthing person who delivers the baby. Um, In Spanish, like the translation of giving birth is giving light, right? So the person birthing is bringing the the baby to the light. Uh, So you don't really need someone to do that for you. You just need people to help and attend and catch. Uh, So what has happened, though, is that um, obstetricians, um, first just physicians, but then later obstetricians who 
whose role in birth is really important because they're there to handle the emergencies. And emergencies in birth often result in surgical deliveries, cesarean births. And it's great to have that um, expertise at, at hand during, um, during birth. Um, but most of the time, they're not needed. So in an ideal situation, we would have midwives working in partnership with obstetricians so that when emergencies arise, then there are people who can take care of those emergencies. Um, and really that only emergency that I'm thinking of is the cesarean. So there are lots of emergencies in, um, in birth that midwives can take care of really well. So we got here because obstetricians really needed to like kind of make a career for their, themselves. They needed to uh, convince hospitals and hospital managers that they were needed um, and that people were safest if they gave birth safest. in a hospital. Yeah, safest. So we were really looking for, and mm. I say we, like the culture, was looking for a way to remove all risk where in birth is a situation where risk is inherent right mm -hmm. there's there is gonna be some mm -hmm. so now if we fast forward to where we are now people see the hospital as the safest place to give birth where lots of research points to places reasons for why it may not be the safest place to give birth um we have heard i'm sure your listeners are aware of all the research and writings that came out over the last year and a half about the maternal mortality rate for black women and how much mm -hmm. higher it is. Um, yeah. Those are women who are birthing in hospitals. Those are not women who are birthing in their homes. That research comes from um, what medical, yeah, the what current mainstream, yeah. normal, quote unquote yeah. way. Yeah. And it just goes on and on. Another example is that our cesarean rate is 33%, which is unhealthy, like the World Health Organization says that um, a country and a developed country like ours um, ought to have a cesarean rate of 10% or less in order for birth to be considered like mm. healthy. So we are far beyond. So when we were born, um, a few a generation and a half or two ago, uh, the cesarean rate in our country was about 10% and now it's skyrocketed to about 33%. It's higher, it's about 35% in um, New York City and the surrounding area. So that's really helpful context. Yeah, thank um, you. What, what, what has happened now since this crisis began? I know that initially some hospitals said that mothers could not have any support people. Yeah, that was a big story. Yeah, I think I think that's shifted, but like, can you tell us like what's been the happening over the last month here? So in, in New York, York City, a couple of um, sorry, private hospitals um, banned all support people from the hospital. So people who were in labor had to go in by themselves, deliver by themselves, and leave alone. Uh, the state stepped in and issued a firm order or recommendation, really, um, that that should not happen. And thankfully, the hospitals that put up that ban have now have have taken it away. So. People who are giving birth can have one support person with them, and that support person can be a person of their choosing. They can bring in a doula, they can bring in a family member. That person um, will likely be uh, tested for fever. Um, they'll get a fever 
check at the time that they enter the hospital. And then if they don't have a fever, they'll be permitted in. So we're in a place now where the birthing person can at least have one partner with them um, in labor, which is good. I mean, that's what we want to see happening. So the birthing person, and we say birthing person because different genders can actually give birth, but let's just for the scenario, the birthing person uh, is a woman who has a partner and um, they're generally, if they, if their partner is available, then they're going to want the partner to come and they're going to think we cannot have a doula to come with us as well. We don't, we're not able to bring a second person in, but then they're not opting to even inquire, even though what you've seen is that uh, virtual support, pre and post support can be tremendously helpful. And, and even the virtual support while they're there, if they're making phone calls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, there's so much anxiety in this process and being able to access that care, right, is not confined to this like little room that is confined to the authority of this system that places one king at the top of a mountain in charge of the room that only certain people are allowed in and out of and under the conditions prescribed by the chief of medicine or whatever. And like, okay, fine. I want modern medicine. I want antibiotics and stuff. That's how we say it around the house. I want antibiotics. But also, like, being able to think about the agency in those moments, right? The agency of the various cast of characters that are available. And really, the, the, I think the most important thing is being able to access a perspective before this one moment, right? You've got these months and weeks, and how do you, how, how do you get this information to people these, these months and weeks in advance? You know, how do people access the help and the support that they need? Whatever the circumstances of access, how, how do we get people to access those things ahead of time? This is just the beginning. Uh, and we want to ask uh, Naima before she goes um, what we ask all our guests, which is what is one thing that is bringing you a sense of calm in the midst of this storm? That's a really good question. So I feel really great today because I was this week brought into a group of really lovely, warm, hardworking, passionate doulas of color across the country who made a fun video together. Mm -hmm. um, we joined in on the Don't Rush Challenge. Uh, and that video I've watched about a half a dozen times mm. or more already. And it just makes me so happy. Today is also the final day of Black Maternal Health Week. And so there's been lots of celebrations online, um, just, just lifting up women of color, Black women in particular, um, around what we are doing as women as mothers, as parents, as support people, and how we're making it through. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. We're making it through. So can we can we retweet that uh, that video that you all made? Yeah. yeah. We could. Okay, so yeah, I bet we could. Um, on our Twitter, and I'm sure it'll be up at For Your Birth also, right? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Thank you. Naima. Yeah, it was so good talking. It was so good can talking. To the New Yorker
So you alluded to it already, Abram, uh, but let's let's hear the the It's a good rat. What's one thing you learned? An equitable world. Uh, yeah, uh, it broke up a tiny bit, but I know the question you're asking. Um, yeah, I think uh, ac- <laughs> accessing accessing care has been on my mind heavy. Um, and the ways in which our networks of care, our communities of care, are just being walloped right now. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I think the business side of it, you know, business is going to bounce back. It's just a matter of time. And you know that when you own a business. It's not, you know, um, it, it is interesting to hear. And I think I'm what I'm gathering from Naima's observation about people not reaching out for the support and I think it's fe- I think it's just fear, and it's you know fear has this way of taking our list of ten goals for today and reducing it to one thing that just got added, and the other yep. ten are gone, and like that's yep. that's the lizard brain, that's the amygdala, that's right, this, that's the part of your brain. Oh my God, it's going down. I might get sick and die. Boom, Every, the the list of ten things is gone. <laughs> like the yeah. and it and it might not come back for days. Yep. Right. And I think that that's hard for us to accept when we live in a system built on our productivity, on our producing something every day. Right. For in order to access, you know, it's like the experiment where you get you push a button and then a treat comes out of the machine. Right. Or it shocks you and you learn to push the right button. Um, So like we you know, we 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 live in this system and we have these dreams and we have children because we have these dreams Right of like having a family of of extending the generation of passing something down from our ancestors, you know, and we and we have no choice but mm-hmm. to do it in this space that's built for us by not all of our ancestors, by only a few, a very few of our ancestors who built and designed yeah. this system, um, and really not necessarily for everyone. Uh, and that right. you know, in some ways, is the work. That's kind of what Dan was saying uh, yesterday. Um, you know, that the work is that building, changing the system so that it does accomplish the thing that it's supposed to have been accomplishing, but doesn't because it wasn't designed that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the fear that you're talking about that, that creates these systems where we don't actually act in our best interests or receive the care that, that we sh- we should receive, that we could receive is is part of a um, an approach to risk management mm. that pervades our culture. And I, I think about, you know, where I always go back to kind of the education and um, analogies, right? And so to me, a, a risk management strategy is a strategy to ensure that every student scores at least proficient on a test. And so what we do is we kind of lower the bar to proficiency as opposed to having more conversations about what the potential and the possibilities are. And um, it's like, you know, in the birthing world, the bar has been lowered to, uh, did the baby and the mother survive? Because if the baby and the mother survived, it doesn't matter what their birthing experience was, right? Everybody's healthy in the end, right? They're physically healthy. Uh, And that then has all kinds of unintended consequences and actually ends up uh, leading to, as Naima said, worse outcomes, even for the thing that we're supposed to control for. And it takes a major shift to, uh, 
it either has to happen over a long period of time or there has to be something that is the catalyst for a major change uh, so that we don't think in those terms anymore and, and we redefine what's important. Um, hopefully this is it. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the catalyst. I mean, so so the, yeah. you know, I referenced the, the Ricky Lake documentary, right? Um, what's the name of it? Um, uh, the Business of Being Born? Yeah, The Business of Being, thank you. The Business of Being Born. Wow, mm -hmm. right? Everybody who watches that, everybody's thinking about having a kid should go watch that right now. Um, Absolutely. We'll wait. Um, <laughs> the... the um, what is happening right now in this moment is people are going through en masse a healthcare system reconfigured for this crisis by the ultimate authority of the land. You are forced to, this is the priority, forget about everything else. And so the, you know, that service level bar that you mentioned, that like, oh, making sure nobody dies is like the bar. Um, right. And even that, Right. There's like a panel you have to go to. It's like a bureaucratic annoyance when it happens. Right. Unless there's some really crazy malfeasance happening. Right. Um, so so like like that bar is the minimum service level and the crisis consumes 95 percent of computing capacity right. all day long. Right? right. So like in that environment, the same throughput of people are having children. And so they're experiencing trauma so yeah it's going to change we just have to be ready with solutions with reimaginings this is it it's going it has to change um let's also end by being good bureaucrats the views expressed here are our personal opinions and do not reflect the official or unofficial position of any government agency, policy, party, leader, or really anyone besides the two of us. And maybe you, but maybe not. This content has not been sponsored or approved by anyone, and it was mostly just made because we wanted an opportunity to talk about things that matter to everyone, whether they realize it or not. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>